Welcome to Metaphysical Soul Speak, the podcast. I'm your host, Elena Fox. Hey guys, I hope you're doing really well in this moment in time and that whenever and wherever you happen to be in this world of confusing cultures (laughs) and clashing cultures, I hope that you're able to actually cut through some of the confusion at times and understand everything from another person's perspective. I had a really interesting conversation with my child today, my oldest, and we were talking about how people will just do something naturally nice because it's a matter of who they are and it's a matter of principle for them. And we will sometimes misinterpret it in a self-flattering way. And it's like we're setting ourselves up for a fall and we're setting ourselves up for hurt. And this could be across cultures. It could be, you know, in our own cultures as well. So for example, I have a friend named Clifton. Okay. And when I met him, we were talking and he said, Oh, wow. Your aura is so bright. Like really, I could see the colors all around you. You're just so beautiful with the light that you're emitting. You're really beautiful and special being. And I thought, Oh, wow. That's so sweet of you. I can't believe you noticed that about me. Yeah, I do. And it made me feel special, made me feel a certain kind of way, a good certain kind of way. Not that he was coming on to me. I mean, I was very married at the time and he was about to be very married and he's still married to the same woman. Actually now, you know, it's been a dozen years later (laughs) and they've got a little girl and maybe another one at that possibly. But he was like, so sweet. And I was like, Oh, wow. You, you see me like you really see me like this is amazing. And then the next day we were sitting at, um, this hotel bar. We're waiting for a billionaire friend of mine, um, to show up. We were going to have a drink together and his son-in-law ended up showing up anyway. And handed me $20 saying this is from Bill. He couldn't make it. He's stuck in meetings, but he wanted to send his best and at least pay for a drink for you. I'm like, Oh, that's like, he didn't need to do that. That's super sweet. And I ended up, I was still in the hotel bar. Well, not drinking, but hanging out and talking to other people. We were at a convention and Bill was doing his seminar in another room and he came out later and like three in the morning. He's like, Oh my God, I can't believe I caught you. He's like, I'm, I'm going to go. I've, I literally have to go back, but I'm going to sit with you for 10 minutes. And I'm like, okay, great. I'm so happy to hang out with you. It was really cool. And so I hung out with, with, uh, Bill, Bill Bartman. He's a billionaire, Bill Bartman, the billionaire. I love that. All the alliteration with all the bees. And, um, anyway, my, uh, so my friend Clifton is just sitting there like, holy shit. 
you know a billionaire like what <laughs> like oh yeah you know cliff is Bar- bill bill is cliff you know hey you know <laughs> so bill gave me a hug and he left and and so clifton and i were talking you know and, and everything was just normal and then this woman you know before bill had showed up actually this woman had, had come up to us and and gave me a hug she recognized me from a different uh corporate event that we had been at and we were just hanging out and he looks at her and he goes, Oh wow. Your colors of your aura are so amazing. And you're really a special being. Like I could really see your aura right now. You know, I could, I could tell you're a really incredible person from the colors of your aura. Like, wow, you really are a beautiful person. And I was just like, that really fell on flat ears to me. You know what I mean? Like I didn't say it out loud. I was just letting her be all flattered and letting her feel all special. And as soon as he left, or as soon as she left, I was like, you know, I don't feel special at all anymore. And he's like, what do you mean? I go, you made me feel that that was something that you were saying in the moment. You made me feel like I was super, super special and that you were really truly seeing my aura. He was like, I was. I'm like, well, you said word per word what you said to me to this woman. Now it sounds like a fucking line. Now I don't believe you. Now I don't trust you. You know, anytime you flatter me, I think there's going to be like the next step would be for you to ask me for something like, you know, a favor or money. (laughs) I don't believe you now. You know, and he was like one of my best friends, but he was just like, what the hell? You know, like, what the hell? Like, you know, he was like, I'm just nice to people. I'm like, yeah, but you're saying the same thing to people. You know, if you go on and say that to another person and then she hears it, she'll think the same thing as me. And he's just operating from his basic thing of I'm going to see everybody as an energy and I'm going to look at their colors and I'm going to tell them if I see something good and keep my mouth shut. If I see something bad, that's just how he operates. Right. But from my perspective, and I don't know if it's because I'm an American, I don't know if it's because I'm a woman. I don't know what it is, but I just felt so very less than flattered and loved in that moment. <laughs> you know, it just didn't make much sense to me. Like, why would you, go out of your way to be so kind and amazing and like all in awe of my aura. And then all of a sudden you say the same words to somebody else the next day. It feels quite disingenuous. And I don't think he was meaning to be, but I was like, Oh, I don't believe a fucking word you say now. You know, I just don't, you know, and my, um, my kid was telling me that their significant other, um, was doing something. Oh, actually. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He, I guess he was, he was, uh, saying, uh, their, uh, correct pronouns. And so my oldest, you know, they went out and, and decided, well, you know what? He deserves a reward for this because he finally did it after four years annoying me. You know, this, this person is actually, you know, um, 
using my correct pronouns and giving me, you know, love and respect. And I felt heard and I felt seen and then, um, went out and got him a little gift. So when he came over, you know, my oldest was like, you know, um, here's this gift for you. And he's like, Oh, it's so sweet. You didn't need to, you know, but I did because you used my correct pronouns the other day. And when we were talking to that other person and it made me feel really good about myself and really good about us and good about you and the relationship. And I felt really, um, I feel very heard and, and seen and loved in that moment. And he goes, Oh, you know, yeah, I did say that. Didn't I? I didn't even mean to say it. Oh my God. You know? And, and so when my kids told me this, I'm like, Oh my God. Like my reaction to that would be, Oh my God, you accidentally stumbled upon respecting me for once. Oh my God, you didn't mean to accept me for who I am or hear me or see me or make me feel loved. Oh my God, that is so rude. Why couldn't he have just left it at, oh, I'm glad you enjoyed that. You know, and then make a mental note to fucking do it again. But instead he had to say, oh yeah, that was totally an accident. I didn't mean to do that. Like, oh my God you accidentally respected me and you forgot that you did not want to respect me. Like, Oh, this is going to be a fight, mister. You know, sit down and strap yourself in. Cause we're going to be here for a bumpy night, you know, <laughs> not in a good way. I mean, it's just so irritating. Right. But my, my kid was like, I, I don't know. I think he was, might've actually did stumble upon the words, you know, accidentally and being respectful accidentally. And maybe I did flatter myself. And so we're t- start talking about that and all these different situations. And I'm like, I remember when, you know, another situation that happened to me in Peru with my boyfriend, ex-boyfriend Renato, and he didn't speak a lick of English except he knew three. He knew, well, I guess five words he knew. He knew skateboarding, he knew surfing, (laughs) and he memorized, I love you for me, which really blew my mind. And he said it in English to me. I was like, oh my God, it was like a shot in the heart. Like, oh, Cupid is struck once again. How wonderful. He actually pronounced it weird. It wasn't even right. His pronunciation was super off. Oh, but he was so cute. Oh, when he said that to me, I was all, aw, all gushy all over, you know. And now I realize he's a narcissist and he's just manipulating me and wanted to do it in my language for a change. (laughs) But there there were some things that I loved about that relationship that I loved about him. And he would, when we were walking down the sidewalk, he would always walk on the side of the sidewalk that's on the outside you know, that's, you know, he's facing down the cars and I was always on the inside of the sidewalk because he was protecting me and keeping me safe. And, you know, if a car was going to be erratic and go up on the curb, he'll be the first to be mowed down, not me, you know? And I always felt like that was very manly and, and masculine of him and also very, um, very loving and sweet. What a wonderful act of, of love. You know, because the the last guy that I I went out with and was walking down the street with, and now this is going back like 
five years or something, but, um, he was, uh, walking ahead of me and not giving a fuck if I was even right behind him or not. You know, I'm like, excuse me. I like literally stood there and waited a half a block. He was away from me before he realized we weren't even together anymore. And he turns around and goes, what are you doing? Come on. And I'm like, what are you doing? Come on. You know, like what the hell, what the hell do you think you're doing? You know, you're walking like you're running a damn foot race. (coughs) You know, it was like crazy. But, um, so one thing I did really miss about Renato was the fact that he would either hold my hand or put his arm around me or we'd be linked arm in arm. And he would also make sure that I was on the inside of the sidewalk, which I thought was brilliant. It was just such a manly thing to do and gentlemanly thing to do. And we were always, um, going out to eat together. And every time we did, he would let, he would, you know, tell me sit inside the booth and he would sit on the outside of the booth on the same side as me so that, um, he could always be next to me and protect me. And he even said, I want to protect you. I want to keep you safe. You know, I'm here to, you know, quidate. I'm here to, you know, to, to take care of you, you know, you know, estoy aquí para cuidarte, you know, and I'm like, okay, okay. So, um, I always felt loved by that. You know, I felt like he truly cares about me. He truly loves me. And so one day I wanted to give him a reward for doing this behavior, you know, cause he deserves some kind of, you know, emotional, mental recognition. So I just said, you know, I want to let you know, I'm telling the whole thing in Spanish, you know, I wanted to let you know that I'm, I'm, I'm happy that I'm your girlfriend and you're my boyfriend and that, you know, I'm proud of you, that you're so loving and attentive. You're always making sure that you know where I'm at physically, like while we're out together and you're always like holding me and putting me on the inside of the booth and, you know, protecting me when we're out in the street, you know, Lima's a dangerous city and I really feel more loved and safe and protected with you. And, you know, it's just a way of him being in the world. If he had been walking with any other woman, he would have done the same thing. If he'd been walking with a younger man, he would have done the same thing. Well, I didn't know that. I was just thinking like, he really cares about me. This dude really gives a fuck about me. Wow. I'm so lucky. And then I flattered myself (laughs) with his natural behavior that he automatically uh, always does. So I was not a Peruvian woman, obviously. And I didn't know that I should have expected that and more because of the way that the society is structured there. Well, I didn't know that. So I literally said to him, you know, I'm so grateful that you're my boyfriend. I feel so loved. I feel safe. I'm so happy that, you know, you care about me so deeply that you love me so much. And his words just ran like an icy sword through my chest when he said, come on, baby, it's just my culture. All men can not be considered men in Peru. 
unless they treat their women like this. It's a matter of respect for my culture. <laughs> like, in other words, I'm not uh, doing anything to you. I'm just being a man in my culture. I'm a man when I take care of a woman. This is how I'm displaying to the rest of the Peruvian society that I'm a man. As opposed to this is how I'm proving to you that I love you so that you can feel safe and loved and we're going to have some hot ass sex later. You know, because that could have been the reason, but no. The reason for him to do this is because he wanted other men in the Peruvian culture to see him as a man and other women to see him and, and know that he is a man. That's the only reason he did it. <laughs> you know, it was ingrained in him as a kid, you know, from his, his father and his stepfather and his, his you know, mother and, and all that, older brothers, whatever. And I just remember thinking I was just so flattering of myself. Oh, he must really, let me read into all of his actions of, he must really love me. And when he said that, it just like, it just struck me like a wet fish in the face, you know, <laughs> it just struck me that maybe he just doesn't fucking love me at all. He just wants the other people in society to see him properly. That's it. That was all it was. And my oldest was telling me also that, um, they like to open doors for people. Just like if they see somebody rushing up to a door, um, you know, in the building where they live, that, you know, they'll just like open up the door and, and help the person, you know, especially if they're rushing in with groceries or whatnot. And the people act differently in response to it. Like my, my kid is acting chivalrous just because that's who they are in general. It's a matter of principle it has nothing to do with the person that they're opening the door for. It's just everything about I'm here I'm going to help. I I love others and I want to, you know, not that I want to show them that I love them so much, but I want everyone to know that I'm a chivalrous person. I'm a good person. I'm going to go out of my way to be, um, you know, extra kind, you know, so I'm here as an example of living kindness. Right. And, um, and they were telling me that sometimes the women are, are, thinking I'm flirting with them and sometimes the women are, are grateful and they're oh thank god you know, I'm glad you were here thank you that's so sweet of you to open the door for me you know and and but the men act like what you don't think I'm a man well you don't think I could open my own door Psst, please get a step away from the door I could open the door you know it's like they take it as a personal challenge you know and, and they get kind of hyped up and angry about it Get, make makes them a little tight, you know, <laughs> a little hot around the collar. And, and so we start talking about this idea and this concept of, you know, several concepts here that, you know, a person will do what they do naturally, normally to everybody that they meet, you know, like if you meet a person who like, say you, you find a man who's quite sweet and quite charming and he hugs you and he kisses you on both cheeks and you might think oh well you know this person really has something for me I'm so lucky he couldn't stop kissing me 
from the beginning. <clears throat> you know, you could easily misconstrue this person's good nature and this is who they are. So I want you guys to be careful and cautious and aware that sometimes people act as if, you know, they are just a nice person and, the, and they are a nice person. It's not like they're being extra nice to you for a reason because they're not usually. So my oldest was saying, yeah, it's like weird the way that people react when I open a door. It's like, you know, some of the dudes act like they want to fight me a little bit. Like, what do you think I'm a man? Like <laughs> the women are like, is this person coming on to me? You know, and whereas my kids, a whole construct of, of their mind is I'm going to open the door for everybody. I'm going to, if I'm here, I will just do this as a good deed for other people. So other people know that I'm good. I'm kind and I'm loving and loyal and I'm going to be just there for everybody. And then everyone else has their own preconceived notions about it in, in the way of, um, this is reminding me of art. It's like living art. You know, you could look at a piece of art and you could think one thing about it. And then someone else comes up and thinks another thing about it. And pretty soon you might have 10 people and they all have an opinion on this piece. One might person, one person might say, Oh, there's so much anger here. You could tell the person was really angry when they were making this. Somebody else might say, I love the joy and the flow and the vibrancy of this piece. You could really see the, um, continuity of life in this art, you know, and somebody else might say, um, you know, I bet 10 months from now, um, they'll come up with another piece like this. Like maybe this one's not done. I don't think this is, you know, like they won't understand the art at all, you know, and somebody else would come up and just like, I don't like these squiggles and this, you know, modern art shit doesn't make any sense. These blobs or whatever, you know, someone else would come around and they'll just say, Oh, it's a mother breastfeeding her child. And someone else come around and say, it's a couple having an argument, right? You know, it's like, you could look at like, it's almost like a Rorschach test. Like, Sometimes, you know, modern art, I don't mean like, you know, art where it's an obvious scene going on with people, but it's like, um, everyone will come up and see a painting and they project who they are onto the painting. And then that's what they see. And so the painting, you know, art in general is, it it becomes a subjective and it becomes a mirror for who we are. And I think that sometimes when people are overly nice to us and that's just who they are in general, what will be reflected back to us is a very good understanding of who we are and where we're at at that moment. If we're overly flattered at their kindness, like, Oh, acting all coy and batting our eyelashes like, Ooh, wow. They really, and then, and then continuing the conversation. Oh, they really care about me. They really love me. They really like me without even understanding that maybe they have a motivation that has literally zero to do with you. You know, you could be a sea of a million women or a million men. And this person's still going to act like they are acting to you right now. And there's no sense in flattering yourself over it. It's just who they are. So these are some of the aspects. And then there's another layer to it is we get overjoyed when people are nice to us because we don't expect it. 
because it happens so rarely because people are such assholes in Western society, especially in the United States. It's where I've had most of my experience. So we get to see who we are. You know, we get to look at our mistake, you know, like when I flattered myself into believing that somebody loved me and and they love me beyond measure because they're making sure I'm walking on the inside of the sidewalk, you know, and then to have that illusion shattered with the thought of baby, no, it's me cultura. Like he was disgusted at the thought that he was doing it because he cared about my health and well being and he loved me. He was upset at me for not seeing that he's a man. <laughs> like his priority was to be seen as a man. My priority was to, you know, flatter him back for flattering me enough to love me enough to, you know, take care of me, to give a shit about my physical well being. Haven't had that a lot in my life. So it was all overly, you know, it was overwhelming and overflattering, and I got quite coquettish, <laughs> you know. And that—that's why I'm so skeptical now. That when people are nice to me, I say thank you, and that's it. I don't gush. I don't do anything else. They say, you know, hey, you know, I or I don't know. I was gonna say there, oh. I just got like super distracted just now. I think I just popped in and out of consciousness for a minute. This has been happening for the whole day today, by the way. So anyway, I just, I don't, I was looking at the, we were looking at this social, you know, every interaction is based on what, how we see the world, right? How we take what other people do, how we understand it. And I don't know, I just want you guys to be cautious. Don't overflatter yourself and don't make excuses for somebody who you think is good because they've displayed good behaviors that possibly, perhaps, has to do with their culture or their society, where they're from. Maybe it has to do with how they perceive themselves as a man or a woman. Maybe it has very little to do with you. Usually it does have very little to do with you, you know, you know, someone opens a door for you and then you suddenly think, Oh, that man from 24 B, he's got a huge crush on me. He opened the door for me today, you know, and you just flatter yourself all up and down, you know, Madison Avenue or wherever the hell you live. And, (laughs) you know, (laughs) And in reality world, but meanwhile, back in reality world, he was holding the door open, waiting for his 84 year old mother to come through the door and it was taking forever. And she was so slow that you didn't see her when you came off the elevator, you know, <laughs> you know, we, we, sometimes we do overly flatter ourselves and then we use, um, this kind of thinking kind of rose colored glasses thinking to make somebody who's not all that worthy of us. You know, we kind of put those rose-colored ideas onto them. And then we kind of flatter ourselves into thinking that they really love us when they might not. 
We have to be careful about that. We have to be careful about that. We have to be careful about misconstruing another person's actions and, and misconstruing their motivations for those actions. No, someone's holding the door for their mom. You just can't see it. You hopped in front of their mom and you were unaware. Now you think that this person has a crush on you? It's like, no. I mean, that was just like not anything I know about. I just made that up in my head, but on the fly. <laughs> but it's just a weird dynamic. It's a weird thing. Like a lot of us that did not have a lot of love and affection and attention as children, when we grow up, we become prime targets and victims of narcissists and sociopaths because they could see it in us a mile away and they, they uh, do everything they can in their power to flirt with us, put their arm around us, treat us nice, say a couple kind compliments and words. And we feel like, Oh, I just hit the jackpot. I found the person who's going to treat me well for the rest of my life. Wow. They're really great. And they're really not. They're just setting a trap and being manipulative. You know, they're going to cut you out of their lives in six months and they know it. And you think it's going to be last forever. You know, like these kinds of things, um, you know, they're quite sinister. And, and when, you know, we flatter ourselves into thinking, oh, well, they held the door open for me and I knew they had a crush on me. And no, it's, it's usually not that at all. So, so when you see people being nice to you, I'm not saying just automatically assume they're just, you know, doing this as an ego driven, self-centered thing, you know, but, but just, you know, you don't necessarily have to go there, even though it's probably true. You could at least, um, acknowledge that that might be a part of yourself. You need to heal when you're overly flattered about expecting the most basic of sweetnesses or kindnesses in the society that is usually a societal or cultural thing. And it's not anything to do with you. And also if you're a man and another man opens the door for you, just say, thank you. You know, don't even, you know, hesitate to think that maybe they're doing this out of the goodness and love of their heart. They're not calling you a small minded or I mean a small man, like the can't, you're so weak. Can't open the door yourself. You know, it's not what people are doing when they open a door for you. Usually it's just, they're doing what their parents taught them. It's an automatic cultural societal habit. It doesn't mean anything. And, and Jesus said in the course in miracles, everything has meaning or nothing has meaning except for the meaning I give it. Nothing has any meaning except for the meaning I give it. So stop giving meaning to things, which again leads later on down the line to making up excuses for people. And then using that as a, as in a false way to just be like, well, they, obviously love me. Yeah. They might be gaslighting me a little bit here and there. They might've disrespected my energy and my time and my space, but you know, Hey, I know they love me cause they, you know, got out of the taxi first and shielded me from the rainwater and made sure that 
I was safe when I got out of the taxi. You know, that might just be to flatter somebody else. Or, I mean, not flatter, but, I mean, or to flirt with somebody else. Like, I've seen men be nice to their women while flirting with other women. You know, and then and then the woman in the relationships acting like, oh, thank you, honey. Oh, you're so good to me. You always love me. And usually the man just goes, what? <laughs> I've seen this happen a few times. You know, when you see something clearly with, you know, you have no skin in that game. <laughs> and you can see it clearly. It's like, it's sad and tragic, but part of it's also comical. Because we all do that whole thing of, flattering ourselves when we didn't need to. <laughs> it's it's kind of a wild trip. And all cultures are different the way they handle this sort of thing. So just be very cautious and realize that, you know, maybe you need to be nice to yourself and you don't need other people to be nice to you to make you feel worthy and valuable and loved and special. You know, in fact, stop caring what other people think. Stop caring about how they treat you in the way that, you know, especially if it's just a basic thing like opening a door. Like, don't read so into that that you're reading a fantasy book. You know, a romance novel. You know, you might be reading a romance novel and they're still looking at a muscle car magazine. Like, they have they're like no clue and totally oblivious. You know, and I mean, that was a stereotype of, you know, cishet people. But I've noticed it in me where I'm overly like thinking somebody really cares about me or loves me or has affection for me when maybe they just really don't. They haven't developed any kind of feeling for me at all. And I just feel like, oh, they really like me. They really love me. They really, whatever, you know. I had a conversation once with somebody who saw my business card. I had a mermaid on the business card, and it was a travel company. And he was like, oh, I'm going to call you Mermaid Girl from now on. You know, and I thought, oh, he gave me a nickname. He really likes me. And I think I realized later that it was just because he meets so many people on a day-to-day basis, he never remembers names. But he does remember nicknames and he remembers circumstances. So for him, it was just like an easy device for him to remain in control socially and not appear like an idiot who can't remember anyone's name. And he had given me his number and I called him and he was like, who's this? (laughs) I gave him my my name, who's this? And I'm like, oh, and that's when I remembered that. (laughs) Oh, okay. Not going to flatter myself into misreading this situation and then he and I said this is mermaid girl oh mermaid girl yeah I totally know you are now with a cool business card all right <laughs> it's like I had to bring up the nickname he gave me for him to remember who who I was to put it you know you know remembrance of you know <laughs> the voice to the face type of thing So I just want you guys to be aware of it and cautious of it. I don't know if it's a cultural thing. I don't know if it's just, you know, do women only flatter themselves into thinking things or do men do it too? Is it gullible? I don't know. We're going to talk about that in a minute too. In the latter half of the show, I'm going to talk about 
divine restraining orders in the courts of heaven. We're going to go over all the spirits that we can have removed and have divine restraining orders against. God told me a massive list of uh, spirits that can attach themselves to you and influence you negatively. Even without being attached to you, they can. Until you get the divine restraining order, and then they cannot. So we're going to do that in a little bit. But first, we're going to go to spaceweather.com, which is where we go to find out what's up in space and check out the news and information about the sun-earth environment. Current solar wind speed is 496.2 kilometers per second. There was a geomagnetic storm watch because minor G1 classmatic geomagnetic storms are possible or were possible. There was a high speed stream of solar wind expected to hit the magnetic earth field and the gaseous materials coming from the canyon shaped hole in the atmosphere of the sun. They're still expecting that to hit probably tonight. There's been a lunar occultation of Mars. Last night, the full moon passed directly in front of Mars and it produced a rare lunar occultation visible across North America and Europe. And Matthew Melnick of Calgary, Alberta photographed the red planet moments before it disappeared. So if you want to see this really incredible picture, it's, uh, it's on spaceweather.com. All right, so the magnetic field of AR3157 is developing today a mixture of polarities with plus and minus bumping together, and this could lead to magnetic reconnection and Earth-directed solar flares. That sounds really crazy scary. It just keeps getting bigger and bigger every day. We're currently on sunspot number 107. The Ulu neutron counts coming out of Odenkaila's geophysical observatory in Finland. Um, What they're saying is that the Neutron counts are elevated today at 2.4% of the space age average. But the maximum, I mean, I'm sorry, the 48 hour change has gone up by 0.2% in the past, you know, past two days. So there's a really beautiful Aurora Borealis. Looks like a big purple angel wing. Looks like a lot of the wings I've seen on or angel wings I've seen on the Archangel Oracle deck and the Radley Valentine deck that I read from on uh, Tuesday. It's absolutely beautiful. Looks like it's touching the earth. So, all right. um, Yeah, so the solar wind is still flowing our way. It should be here probably tomorrow. So, yeah, all right. So NASA's All-Sky Cameras and the All-Sky Fireball Network reported eight fireballs over the United States today. Five were sporadic, two were Sigma Hydrids, one was a Geminid. 
And that's it for space weather news. Now we're going to go to disclosurenews.it and they had another 13, power 13. Schumann resonance usually is 7.83 hertz and they were at 2 or they were at 13. So almost two times what is normal. So slightly, slightly significant, not that big of a deal. All right, now we're going to go to the HeartMath Institute and HeartMath.org. And boy, do I have a real interesting surprise for you. <laughs> it's very interesting. Okay, so 7.83 hertz. Under 8 hertz frequency is usually where the Schumann resonance is when it's measured. But... Here we go. I'm trying to get it right here. Okay. But uh, on Monday, December 5th at the 2300 hour, what was going on at the Schumann Resonance is this. Hopefully Saudi Arabia is still uh, at zero. <laughs> I don't know why, but it'll, hopefully it'll, it'll come back online soon. Anyway, California was at 70 hertz frequency. Lithuania was at 129 hertz frequency. Alberta, Canada was at 89 hertz frequency. Northland, New Zealand was at 80 hertz frequency. And here's the kicker. <laughs> Hold on to your hats, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Hulului, South Africa has outdone herself because the 7.83 hertz frequency that is normal went out the window a long time ago. In Hulului at the 2300 hour on Monday, December 5th, the um, magnetometer read as follows 748 hertz frequency. It was massive. This has always been the most volatile one, I think. Anyway, so yeah, so I'm looking and seeing it doesn't get any higher than that. 748 hertz frequency. That's massive. When seven, so it's like a hundred times what is normal. That's definitely significant. Don't know what it means exactly, but one day I'm sure we'll figure it out. All right, guys, I'm going to take a quick break. And when I come back after this itty bitty musical ditty, we're going to talk about the divine restraining orders in the courts of heaven and why you need them immediately today. All right. I'll be right back and I'll see you in a couple of seconds. guys so a couple weeks ago I was telling you about the courts of heaven and in the courts of heaven we can get divine restraining orders against the adversary and we can have certain legal cases removed 
with our advocate's help, which um, I always say is Yeshua, because he died, you know, literally so that we can cast our burdens on the cross along with him and we go free and he's already gone free as well so he's our greatest advocate but then there's all these illegal cases and when you catch the illegal cases you can have them thrown out of court immediately but if you don't do it the illegal cases will remain against you and when these illegal cases remain against you they can ruin your life they could really upset you for a long 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 time upset the goals I mean the thing is the adversary all the minions all the demons all the you know the mal jinn the bad jinn and not the good jinn the good jinn are good but the evil jinn and the you know and and also people's negative thought forms and all the you know uh, witchcraft and stuff that can be cast against you won't land really is that true yeah it won't land really unless the devil himself has a legal or illegal or makes an illegal case against you. Usually he makes an illegal case against you because, hey, why not? You know, if you could have, um, you know, if someone is trying to win a competition and you throw, you know, three or four rocks at them because you were given the rocks by the judges, you know, like say someone's in a canoe and they're going across a lake. We're going to use a Wednesday Adams reference. But so they're going in a canoe across a lake. <clears throat> and the judges say you're allowed to th throw three rocks at them. Well, when the judges aren't looking, you grab a, a handful of gravel and you just start pelting the fuck out of them because if they win the race, you don't, <laughs> you know? So, of course, you're going to cheat, right? If you are, you know, the adversary, you know, the devil is the adversary. I think I said advocate a second ago. I meant adversary. Um, so you know that's what that's you know because they don't want you to win because they still have to prove a point all humans are bad humans are worse than than, than uh, angels and fallen angels and demons and because their free will is making them horrible and evil right? <laughs> so we're not gonna let them win we're not gonna let you know them win the race of becoming a nurse or a doctor to save humanity we're not gonna allow them to win the race of helping that old lady across the street. We're going to give them a leg cramp right now. You know, <laughs> you know, we're not going to let them win the race of, uh, you know, being mentally healthy and, and helping others. We're going to give them mental illnesses. We're going to send them the spirit of depression and anxiety and the spirit of, you know, <laughs> uh, suicidal ideation. We're going to send that. We're going to just, you know, screw that. We're not going to let them, you know, if it, let's see how they, they deal with it. They can't help anyone else if they can't help themselves. And we're going to throw handfuls of gravel at them. And then we'll see how well they fare with their free will. Let's see what they choose with that. You know, meanwhile, <clears throat> we're sitting here like with handfuls of gravel being thrown at us from every direction. And we have no fucking idea. You know, we're just sitting here like, okay, why do I feel so shit today? Why do I wake up and, you know... I'm getting ready to put music on. Instead, I stare at the wall for three hours. Like, what the hell is that? You know, and then, and then I finally put on music and then I get depressed and go back to bed. What the hell is that? Have you ever had days like that? I think it's the adversary throwing gravel at you, <laughs> you know, and maybe he threw gravel at you 10 years ago and this has become a habit. You know, my, I think that the, the, uh, I think that there might be a spirit of snacking for junk food. Yeah, God just told me there is. I didn't write that one to the list. But 
my grandmother had this spirit of snacking so bad that she couldn't stop snacking and she was always fighting to keep her weight down to look sexy for my grandpa and after he died she kind of let herself go a little like she still would go to the mall and walk that was her thing you know might as well shop and walk walk and shop (laughs) talk and shop (laughs) you know It, it just I love my grandma she was very cool very very cool person but she was always like very like I have to stay thin gotta stay thin but then she was always like running to the fridge for a tab running to the fridge for cheese puffs that she kept in the fridge which is where I got that because I love cold snacks I love keeping my if I have cheese puffs or or uh, potato chips and I taught my kids that to keep them keep them in the keep them in the freezer because they kind of taste better when they're frozen (laughs) they crunch harder when they're frozen you gotta keep them sealed but you know anyway but I think that there's a spirit of snacking that works against your dieting you know that, that that also lends its way into uh lowering your self-esteem and your self-confidence so that you won't do other things in your life that you needed to do and wanted to do and planned to do when you got here so all this shit is thrown against us and most of it's illegal and what i mean by that is there's no legal case for it and i was talking to a friend of mine um, the other day and, and I, I removed all this shit from me and I said oh by the way I'm like I entered the courts of heaven on your behalf and I removed all this shit from you and you had the spirit of uh, she had the spirit of was it thievery attached to her because she was a thief and it was a legal case and, and God showed me that this is the case made against her she was about three years old and she walked into a store with her mom and it was like a wooden you know the planks uh, you know the floor is like wooden planks is an old-fashioned kind of candy store you know or they had candy the big uh, wooden barrels with candy that you could just scoop up with the scooper and put in a bag and my friend when she was three years old would was tugging on her mom's you know shirt a little like hey mommy can I have this can I have this I want these can I have these and her mom said no come on what are you doing let's go you know just really mean and cut her off and she was just in that moment she was like three years old well fuck you you know I'm taking it anyway and she uh grabbed three pieces of of candy or gum and god showed me even the colors were green orange and purple little tiny individual wrapped balls they might have even been jawbreakers i don't even know but uh individually wrapped in clear cellophane and she was like yep that's it she grabbed these three pieces of candy put them in her pocket and when her mom was ignoring her as she usually did she ate them at home when her mom you know when she went outside and ate them and her mom didn't even know and kind of gave her self-satisfaction smug kind of fuck you to her mom maybe she didn't even know those words at that tender age but <laughs> the devil saw that and sent his minions in the spirit of robbery the spirit of thievery against her so that everything in her life had been stripped away from her repeatedly over and over and over again as a punishment that's an that's called a legal case 
It's completely unfair, but it's legal. She robbed. She's an old soul. She should know better, you know, and so we will have people rob her. We will have people thieve from her. We'll have people steal her ideas. We'll have people, you know, take her physical objects, you know, all this kind of shit. Um, she had written, she had uh, like wanted to go to fashion school, wrote some, drew some beautiful pictures for, uh, dresses. And these dresses are coming out right now in the fashion world. So her, her ideas that were very unique are out there in the world now. And she doesn't know who, you know, how it got there, who saw her drawings because she doesn't have them in her possession. They were stolen. You see what I mean? You know, and I asked God, what is this costing us? I had those against me as well. Um, I stole corn cob holders as a kid, but I did ask God for forgiveness immediately. So the adversary didn't get me on that one. The adversary got me on something else. Again, another thing from when I was a child, you know, um, something really like super minor, you know, and, um, and then also the devil got me again when I, I stole some bathing suits when I was like, I don't know, 19 or 20. I was just, I wanted to see what it felt like to, maybe I was, I was older, I was maybe 25. I was old enough to know better, way old, old enough to know better. But I was low on cash and I was going to take a trip and, you know, I justified it. Oh, they've got insurance. I mean, it was horrible that I did this. I went back to those stores and actually dropped a couple hundred dollars in each store. You know, like, not like on the floor, but I mean, like I, I, I went and I shopped there again and, you know, just to try to make it up. I don't know. I just, and I prayed and I'm so sorry. And I, I repented immediately, but not immediately, maybe the next day. And so the advocate, I mean, the adversary, the devil saw me and he got that. I mean, boom, there it is <laughs> right away. You know, and I've had everything stripped away from me and stolen from me again and again and again. I had a whole house full of stuff stolen. Um, my letterman's jacket, quilt that my aunt, um, I mean, like very personal things that meant a lot to me. My husband left the house, my first husband, when we were getting our divorce, left the house, left it fucking open with all my stuff in it, didn't give a shit because he's angry at me. Makes sense, right? Well, you better leave, you know, better come over because I'm leaving and... You know, I'm like, okay, but, you know, can you at least keep the, you know, I've got the key. Can you at least keep it, you know, un, you know, keep it locked so I can, you know, and he didn't. He just didn't give a shit. And all my stuff is stolen. I went into the house. There's nothing left, you know. And, but it was my fault because I had stolen those bathing suits and there was the legal case, right? But, I mean, I didn't deserve to have all of, you know, I'd already had a Walkman stolen, the equivalent I mean, within a week, I had like $120, I remember Walkmans, but I had my Walkman stolen within a week of me still, it was the exact amount, money amount. And I'm like, well, there's my karma. But then the karma kept coming and I didn't know what the fuck. Why does the karma keep coming? What's going on with that? Why does it keep coming? So that's why. And now that I know that the spirit, these spirits are, get attached to you and then they, you know, there's like a spirit that you, like if you talk shit about somebody, there's a spirit that'll attach itself and talk shit about you to you. Like for the next 20, 30 years until you realize, holy shit, get the fuck out of my face, spirit that talks bad, you know? <laughs> um, it's a bad talker. 
the spirit of bad talker, talking or a bad talker. That's what God just told me. So yeah, that's one too. So I want you guys to get out your notebooks or write these things down, you know, because we're going to, I'm going to show you, I'm going to try to do a demonstration later on how to enter the courts of heaven, how to have these things uh, removed from you. I will do it for myself for the bad talking, uh, the bad talkers so that you could see, you know, like I used to talk shit about people when I was a teenager, not a lot and not really out loud to where sometimes I would. You know, and, and I had a boyfriend who was a narcissist and, you know, when I was 18, I believed everything he said, hung on his every word because he was so handsome, whatever, you know, see again with the flattering myself shit, you know, but we used to play a game. Um, what vitamin or what mineral is that person missing? And then we would scoff at how stupid they were that they didn't know they're missing vitamin C or, you know vitamin D or vitamin, you know, or mineral and like, and we would just, so people walk by and we'd be like, Oh <laughs> yeah. Vitamin C they're blowing their nose. Obviously they don't, you know, know how to take care of their health. So vitamin C. So, you know, and then someone else would walk by and, and they would be really pale and then would laugh and say vitamin D cause you know, you know, they weren't out in the sun enough. They needed their vitamin D and they, they needed to be, you know, less pale. Like they look sickly, right? So people would like walk by and we'd be like magnesium, like an old lady walked by at the hunch, you go calcium, you know, like it was just like, you know, guess the mineral, guess the vitamin, the person's missing. And it was kind of a mean game, but it was also for us to remember the vitamins and what they do, but also it ended up becoming like a, we're making fun of people and they don't even know it. It's our secret language and it became very mean, you know, so that might've been, yeah, God's like, yeah, that's when you got your bad talker. So it's a legal case against me. <laughs> and I caught this, I caught this spirit. I told to fuck off the other day. I'm like laying in bed and I'm feeling all good. And I started to wake up and right before I was fully awake in that twilight space, I heard it talking shit to me about me. You're sad. You're not getting anything done today. You won't accomplish anything. You're not going to amount to anything. You're going to end up homeless. You're going to end up. And I'm thinking, is this why I've been suicidal my whole life? Like what the hell? You know, like what? Is this why I've been depressed? Is this why I have anxiety? Is this, you know, this is what causes imposter syndrome. This little bad talker, son of a bitch, this little shit that's attached to you. And it's there legal. And the thing is when you, when you scan your body for attachments, you don't think about the spirit attachments that, you know, the devil puts there, you know, they're more invisible. And I see that they're more invisible. They're like, um, kind of like a dull gray, but they're very invisible. And when there's a spirit attachment that is just attaching itself to you, like a succubus or an incubus, they, they appear in the energy field as a dark black. So they're very easy to spot. Oh yeah. Get out of here. You know, devil, like a devil or a demon that gets on your back, you know, and they try to you know, suck the life out of the back of your head. I know it sounds gross, but it does. If you go to bars a lot, you go bar hopping a lot, you want to drink a lot, you might have an octopus attachment. I've seen the octopi, you know, and that's why like Montanita beach is a place where people drink all the time. It's a drinking town. Everyone goes there to get wasted and shit faced and high and dance their ass off and have a good time. And it's a lot of fun. But every time I go there, I feel that octopus demon and it's massive. It, it covers the whole um, downtown area where there's all the, um, bars and, you know, part of me goes, oh, I want to go drinking. I want to, and then I'm like, no, I don't. I don't want to go near that demon. It's too scary. 
it attacked me one night. Yeah, I told you guys about it in season seven. This, this, this crazy, massive. I mean, I woke up with a ma- this huge octopus demon, trying to wrestle and get me, and try to get on top of me to get me to start drinking and start, you know, to give it that that power over me, so that maybe I'll become an alcoholic, maybe I'll spend all my money, maybe I will be miserable, maybe I'll lose my looks and feel bad about myself, and it feeds on the negativity of that that's its food and I had this big thick layer of protection around my apartment so it was trying to get at me but almost like through a blanket like this massive blanket is between me and it so it couldn't really get to me and I woke up and realized what was happening I'm like get the hell out of here and I and I pushed it and I did and I saw a, a giant octopus flying backwards through my window and then the same thing happened a few nights later when I saw the demon who's not the devil but sitting on the throne of hell as if he is the demon he stole I mean as as if he is the devil in in charge of it all and he was trying to wrestle with me to get my soul and the same thing happened to him again the thick layer of protection I already had around my place but I'm like throwing him you know no get out of here you know I know you're my you know that we were in heaven together once but it doesn't give you a right to try to steal my soul at this point you know, it was just like, no, get out of here. So, and, and, and I didn't really understand it totally that all this stuff was going on until this year. I mean, it's weird that, you know, I've been studying spiritual stuff and metaphysical stuff for a very long time. I've never heard about it at all written about. Now, Robert Henderson does write a lot of books about divine restraining orders and the courts of heaven and getting your blessings. So I recommend all of his books. He has 10 books. I've, I'm still on book one. Yeah, I'm still very far behind. You know, I want to catch up and read all of them over the break, probably between seasons, um, because these are incredible. They're incredible information. So what I'm going to do is I want you to write down all the spirits I wrote down. You're going to need several pages. <laughs> so write small or, you know, I wrote really small and it's all on one page, but all the words are crammed and jammed together. <laughs> There's so many, you know, and, and one, this is where I started thinking about this more. Like, what are the spirits? I don't even know if you don't know they, they exist or that this stuff is even real. It's going to affect you for the rest of your life. If you have this attachment, you know, and so once I got some of these, I mean, I've had everything I owned taken from me like several times build it back up and then stolen again. I had my warehouse full of stuff stolen, not a warehouse, but like my storage is a 10 by 10 by 10 or 13 by 13 unit and everything in it. And it was like stacked to the freaking top. You know, I had antique furniture from my grandmother. I had jewels. I had pictures of my family. I had my, um, my, uh, uh, dream book that I wrote how to interpret your own dreams. I'm going to have to rewrite that from scratch or I don't know what I'm going to have to figure it out. But, and it was really good. It was a really good book. It was 360 pages. I wanted to release it to the public and I'd sent it off to a bunch of publishers. No one wanted to publish it. They said it was too long. I'm like 360 pages though. When I, when I look in books, you know, they're like 240 to 360 pages. So I thought it was within, you know, like we could break it up into two books. Why can't we break it up into three books? Hell, even better. You know, like, why could you not have seen that? You know, like, it was irritating. 
And maybe I had something against me as to why they all freaking rejected this incredible book. I mean, we even had the, the, the person who's in charge of my husband. And I wrote the book together and the person in charge of giving my husband his bachelor's degree literally said, this is going to make an enormous contribution to the world of dream analysis, you know? And so we were like, wow, this is, and it was mostly my idea. And then he and I developed it together and he got his bachelor's degree. This was his thesis. You know? So it was like, damn, like, okay. you know, <laughs> I don't know. It's like, uh, why, you know, so I'm going to have, eventually I'll, I'll come out with that or I might make, you know, but I, I came up with a, uh, new way to make your dreams come true by using your night dreams. I did a whole thing on monitoring your dreams and it was like really intense. Maybe I'll rewrite it. I don't know. It's just super annoying that, you know, these things were taken from me, but it was because, you know, you do one thing wrong and now you're getting it back a thousandfold. I had like a million dollars worth of stuff, you know, like I had screenplays that were worth a quarter of a million dollars in my warehouse. Like I know that they were, I just hadn't really tried to market it yet. Cause I was just trying to raise my kids. I thought, well, when I'm done, I'll come back and dust this stuff off and repolish it and send it to professionals and send it to contests and start really going for it. And it was all taken from me. You know, luckily I'd put some of the stuff online so some of the stuff I was able to recover. So I'll get there someday, you know, knock on wood, it's going to happen. You know, but it's all these demons and, and, you know, spirit attachments that have been talking shit about me and to me and, you know, for years. And I've just been trying to get through the muck and the mire. And people are saying, you're doing, you know, do your shadow work, do your shadow work. Well, I think that some of our traumas maybe aren't as traumatic, except when we get a, a spirit attachment and they keep reminding of, the, of the, us of the shit and then telling us things are untrue about ourselves so that we're now, you know, forced to believe it, you know, because you were, you know, beaten up as a kid because you were homeless as a kid. You'll never amount to nothing. Now that kind of, those kind of thoughts, it's not true. Of course you can amount to something. Um, I could tell you guys one person who was absolutely homeless when he was, um, you know, like around 20 and he's extremely wealthy and famous now. And that's Woody Harrelson. I knew his personal assistant. And he was the personal assistant for Woody when he was 20 something years old, 20, 21, whatever. And he was living in a bathroom in UCLA and hiding from the janitor. He had to like mark, you know, he had like a little watch or something that he, where he, you know, had a little, oh my God, I don't know if you heard that bird. It had a little beep on the watch. They would tell him when the janitor was about to come, he knew when the rounds were. And he'd have to leave the bathroom and he'd have to wait and then have to come back around and go into the bathroom again. And he would, he would hide out in one of the stalls, you know, when people would come in and, and he just generally just lived there between the garbage cans, I think. And he made a little, he had like a little bedroll and he just kind of laid there. Maybe there's like a windowsill. I don't know the exact circumstance, but he literally was living in a bathroom when he got his, he got his agent. And he finally got the attention of an agent who put him as, you know, on these auditions. And eventually he ended up being Woody on Cheers. And, and you know, and, and, but, you know, he's fighting those demons of self-esteem. When I saw him, I saw it. When I met him in person, I saw it in him, you know, and, and I told him. And I started to tell him, I wanted to tell you something. And he just got, like, really nervous. 
he thought that uh, he was found out. I think he might have had imposter syndrome at that time. Like, maybe they're going to find out that I'm not really such a great person, you know? I'm like, I, and I said, I want to let you know, I love your politics. I think you're an amazing person. And look at how these young people react to you. I want you to notice that. I want you to notice that you've got power because you are famous and people do love you. So when you are talking about the Green Party and you're talking about our environment and you're, you know, talking about things that need fixing in, in our world, people will listen and you do have sway. And that's a wonderful thing. And I'm grateful that you're on the right side of things. And he was so happy and grateful. He gave me such a big hug and kissed me right on the lips. He's like, oh, thank God. I thought you were going to just, you know, say something terrible to me. I was so worried. And I was like, and I was thinking, God, you're Woody Harrelson. You've made it. Don't you have it? And see, but now looking back on him, like, maybe he had some of these spirit attachments. You know, people think that they deserve the worst. They're waiting for the other shoe to drop. Even the wealthy people. <laughs> even the famous ones, even the ones that everybody loves. They still have this shit attached to them. So I'm going to tell you a list. <laughs> it's a huge, not, not, it's an exhaustive list, maybe not completely comprehensive. Like it's probably, I don't even know, this might be one third of the, uh, you know, or maybe one tenth of what's out there. But this is what I came up with the other day. God allowed me to see because he gave me the mantle of discernment. I was starting to see this stuff. So getting a divine restraining order against the spirits of. <laughs> so this is the spirits I got. Um, and by the way, Jennifer LeClaire Ministries gave, uh, she was the one who interviewed Robert Henderson. And this is in what he said. He says, uh, see, uh, something I can't even read my writing dag now it is something about unlocking the courts of heaven so Jennifer LeClaire Ministries she had Robert Henderson on as a guest of her uh, video podcast on YouTube and so you could go check this out he was talking about unlocking the courts of heaven but through basically through the divine restraining orders and I, I put some something like says almost like I wrote pregos or prayes and I don't know, maybe it's praise, P-R-E-Y-E-S. I don't know. I don't spell praise that way, so I don't know what I said. Anyway, so if you want it, so that, so he said in this, this is the first one, the spirit of religion. <laughs> He's a minister, she's a minister. And, and he said the spirit of religion because when you remove the spirit of poverty and your money is still not flowing, it's because you have the spirit of religion attached to you as a young child. And there's something about that that makes you believe that you don't deserve and you're only going to get your riches and rewards in heaven because somehow, somewhere down the line, you bought into it, you believed it, and that's when you got that spirit attachment. The spirit of religion keeps people down and out and poor. You need to remove the spirit attachment of spirit of religion. And that struck me and that that's what started this whole episode was when he said that I was like, shit, holy shit. And I asked and sure enough, sure shit. I had that spirit attachment because I was raised in, you know, Jesus was humble. Jesus was lowly. He didn't have any money. Well, you know what? Actually his uncle Joseph of Arimathea 
was incredibly wealthy and sent Jesus all over the world because he had money. Why do people not get that? His father was a carpenter, lowly carpenter. You know how much money carpenters make? Come on. He was wealthy. That's why Mary was marrying someone so much older because he was established and he was, it was like the equivalent of an architect or something back then because he had a ton of money. So anyway, get out your pens and your notebooks and we're going to get into this list of uh, spirits that can be attached, negative and evil spirits, basically, you know, bad spirits can be attached to you that will rob you of your health, happiness, luck, prosperity, and money. To, to quote Reverend Ike, those are the things we want, right? So, all right, I hope you're ready because here we go. It's long. <laughs> All right, I'm going to try to go a little fast so I can get everything um, <laughs> everything here. So, divine restraining orders should be asked against the spirits of miscommunication. You may have that with anybody in your life or just in general where you just cannot get the words out the way you want. Maybe you're attached with the spirit of miscommunication. Unsanitary living conditions. I don't know what it would be officially called, but there is a spirit of that. So if for whatever reason you can't find a place that is sanitary enough, like you find a place that looks clean, you move in and you realize there's black mold or you realize there's ants or there's some kind of vermin or, you know. So I noticed that almost every place I've lived has been extremely unsanitary where I live now is like the worst of the worst because this spirit has really wreaked havoc in my life. Uh, you know, and I got rid of it, <laughs> divine restraining order. And whoever sent this one to me, I had their karma sent back to them 30 million times 30 million. And I also asked that I get my recompense for all of the, uh, hell I've had to go through because of these unsanitary living conditions over the years. So, um, you know, I know the next place I move, knock on wood, is going to be extremely, extremely clean and comfortable. And I won't have to deal with that anymore. So, uh, so the spirit of bad luck, the spirit of religion, which we said, but also the spirit of Catholicism, the spirit of Christianity, so some of these are, you know, like bad luck. That's if you've ever had bad luck or thought, God, I must be cursed. Maybe you were and the spirit of bad luck attached itself to you. And a lot of these are just illegal court cases. They're just thrown like gravel at you. You could get rid of them pretty easily. It's easy to clean up gravel. But if it's been affecting you your whole life, you're going to notice a huge difference when you get these things out of your energy field. So I wrote this spirit of small being living. I don't know if that means, uh, I don't know. God help me. <laughs> oh, I think what it is, is the, the spirit of playing small, thinking you're small, not physically small, but the, the spirit of, although there could be a spirit of making you small and keeping you small. Maybe you're going to be five foot six and the spirit attached itself to you you know, now you're only five, you know, four foot 11 or five foot one, you know, like it, it's like, so now it kept you from doing what you wanted to do. Maybe you wanted to be a commercial model and you have to be five foot six minimum. You know, maybe you were going to be that and you were going to be, you know, is going to be okay. 
and now you can't do that because the spirit of being small, <laughs> you know, uh, literally like, so if you're going to have a baby or you have a child, make sure you remove the spirit of being small just in case, you know, um, the spirit of being picked on, you know, if the other kids pick on you and other people are mean to you and the mean girls are always after you, the spirit of being picked on is, is might be attached to your energy field. So the spirit of Catholicism, the spirit of Christianity, as well as the spirit of religion or the spirit of Islam, the spirit of whatever, you know, whatever it is, there might be a spirit that's enforcing some part of the religion on you in a way that is holding you back in life. The spirit of poverty definitely need to get rid of that one. Um, the spirit of things around you breaking. Um, I removed that one and then the day, a day later, my ability to flush my toilet broke, you know, and those mechanisms break all the time. But I thought, you know, things around me have been breaking since I got here. Yeah, and also because it's just a crappy place and there's a lot of salt in the air and things are going to break if they're metal. But I mean, the counter broke, the, the cupboard broke, the, uh, lights, the light fixture itself broke, the light bulb went out, the, 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 the toilet now can't flush things break. <laughs> and I, and I realized there might be a spirit of things breaking and I asked and sure enough, there is spirit of premature death we talked about before the the spirit of not being believed the spirit of low confidence the spirit of low self-esteem the spirit of ill health and the spirit of illness there might be more than one the spirit of hiv the spirit of aids the spirit of cancer um yeah i know two people who had the spirit of hiv attached to them but luckily they had um, more divine protection like one one person ended up in a relationship with someone who had hiv and then they took the medicine and they didn't get it. And then, and then they eventually broke up. And then somebody else I know was um, forcibly raped um, in the middle of the street one night and got, um, was tested positive for HIV six weeks later, took this medicine and six weeks after that, tested negative for it and has tested negative for it for years now. But the spirit of HIV, like that's a scary one, right? especially, you know, these people had parents that were very worried about them getting it. So that made it even worse, right? <laughs> so they were afraid of it. You know, um, there's a spirit of AIDS, there's a spirit of cancer, you know, the, you know, the drill, any, you know, there might be a spirit of asthma. I didn't even check. Yeah. God just says there is. So suddenly someone gets asthma, it makes no sense. It's not hereditary. And you know, they're old, you know, my grandma got the spirit of asthma. So she might've been talking shit about me for having asthma. You know, like it's as if it's my fault, maybe behind my back. I don't know. Maybe she, yeah, God said, yeah, she was. Well, I don't know why she has it. It's because she doesn't eat enough honey or whatever the fuck she was saying. Boom. Now she got the spirit of asthma. Now she's got asthma. It was her karma for being rude to me. But I, you know, why give an old lady asthma? Like, come on. She also had Alzheimer's and she couldn't remember how to take her inhaler. So now I have to drive to her house every day to teach her every day how to take her inhaler. And I had to do this a couple times a day. <laughs> it's like, it's just, you know, it's like a part-time job teaching my grandma every fucking day how to use her inhaler, you know, God rest her soul. She did pass, but I mean, it was just, it's like, ah, and you know what, if we, if I'd known about the spirits and the courts, I could have taken care of it immediately. Oh, she has asthma. Does she? Well, you know what? Her next checkup, she won't, <laughs> you know, unlucky in love. Have you ever been unlucky in love or unlucky in friendships? These are spirits of attachment. 
bad spirits, the spirit of failure. You're going to fail everything you do because you got that failure spirit attached to you. The spirit of bad business, like every time, you know, or bad business deals, you know, every time you get involved with the business, it, it sinks. Maybe because you have a bad spirit, you know, assault, the spirit of assault, the spirit of battery, the spirit of rape, the spirit of suicide, the spirit of sexual assault, the spirit of sexual battery, the spirit of pedophilia. Yeah. Make sure that one's not attached to you or your kids, right? Or anyone around them. (laughs) The spirit of perversity, the spirit of abuse, the spirit of narcissistic abuse, so that you're going to either, or the spirit of being an abuser. So you're either going to become an abuser and you know, like this thing will overtake you if you allow it, you know, and then you won't know it hit you like, holy shit, I didn't mean to be that way. What? That's not me. Right? So spirit of narcissistic abuse, you might become a victim of, of narcissism, you know, and, and also if you don't have your boundaries up, but if that's attached to you, it's going to be like, you know, those people make a beeline for you. As soon as you're on the market and single, man, they're lining up. They're all narcissists, right? They're looking for supply and you look like a fresh supply, right? So the, the spirit of being overlooked in your job, spirit of being overlooked in your career, the spirit of not making enough money in your job or career, the spirit of wasting time of self, wasting your own time, the spirit of wasting time of others. There's literally a spirit of wasting time. I asked about all this stuff. There's a spirit of procrastination. There's a spirit of not believing in yourself. And there's a, there's a spirit of not being believed where other people won't believe a shit, any shit you say, they won't believe you. There's a spirit attachment. The, the first time one of your parents say, I don't believe a word you say, boom, that spirit gets attached to you. Now, no one will ever believe a word you say. Oh my God, your parents can curse you, right? That's what God showed me. The spirit of bad dreams and the spirit of bad of, of nightmares, the spirit of bad thoughts, like constant bad thoughts. Um, there's a spirit of catastrophizing the spirit of catastrophe. I had that one. Every time I tried to visualize something, it always ended up with somebody dead and bleeding in my visualization. I'm like, how can I manifest shit? I'm not going to manifest anything. I found out I had a spirit attachment <laughs> and I got rid of that, you know, about a week ago. And I had that one for like a couple years. I don't know where I got it, but I don't want to know. And I don't want it again. The spirit of losing your looks. If you suddenly start to look terrible out of nowhere. I mean, I, I had photogenic properties. I, I had, so I had a spirit attachment, which I need to get rid of the spirit of, um, not being photogenic anymore. When I met my birth mother, I think she cursed me. And next thing I know, every picture I took, I looked terrible in. Absolutely, 100%. I looked awful in. And before that, I always looked like a model. I, I am a model. I was a model. You know, I, I was a model. And every picture I took, I looked freaking beautiful. And I was like, oh, I'm so glad. Because I don't know. I don't see myself that way. And I'm glad that I was, like, looking beautiful and, and amazing and sexy and smart. And even when I had a little extra weight, I'm still kind of like, mm. I look kind of cute, actually. It's okay. And then suddenly I meet my, my birth mom, and I don't know what she said. She cursed me. And suddenly I couldn't take a good picture to save my fucking life. And I've been fighting against that ever since. And I didn't know what the hell that was. Like, all of a sudden, the lighting was off in every effing picture, no matter what camera took my picture. You know, so I do need to get rid of the spirit of not, not being photogenic because I want to go back into acting you know, late in life, but Hey, it's at least I'll get it done. It's something I wanted to do. 
so um, there's a spirit of being a loser. There's a spirit of being a loser in life. There's a spirit, a spirit of being a loser in business. There's a spirit of being a loser in friendships where you lose all your friends. There's a spirit of being a loser in love. There's a spirit of unhappiness, a spirit of uh, uh, chaos, a spirit of jealousy, a spirit of lack, a spirit of injury, a spirit of people pleasing to the detriment of oneself. This is a behavior, it's a codependent behavior, but there's a spirit that will keep you in it so bad that you'll give 20 grand away and not even understand what the hell you did with your money. Why would you do that? It makes no fucking sense until you realize, shit, I had the spirit of people pleasing. I wanted someone to like me so much that I became homeless because I gave everything away to them. People will fucking take advantage of you. And there's a spirit of that, the spirit of attracting manipulators. There's a spirit of blocking your own talents from a young age. You know, there's a spirit of like your talents being blocked. I know people who could have become brilliant musicians and then all of a sudden they forgot how to play the guitar and they're still young. You know, it's only been a couple of years and they're like, I don't know. It's like, I just feel like I don't play anymore and I can't sing or I don't know. I can't memorize the words now suddenly to my, to my own music that I wrote that I've sang hundreds of times. Suddenly I don't remember any of it. It's like, what the fuck is that? I found out it is a spirit of blocking talents. There's a spirit of poor mental health that will help you get any mental health issue you're on your way towards anyway, that you're doing it all on your own, that thing's going to move it right along. There's a spirit of poor emotional health. There's a spirit of gluttony where you suddenly can't get enough of pie or cake. You know, when normally you buy a carrot, I used to buy a carrot cake and eat one piece a day. So for eight days, I had carrot cake. There it is. I had cake for eight days and I was so proud of myself. Well, the spirit of gluttony would be like, thank you, God, I didn't have that one. But the spirit of gluttony would be you bought that cake and ate it all within a day. You might go into a diabetic coma from that, you know, that's the spirit of gluttony. You know, if you're very gluttonous, you know, you eat three or four pieces of carrot cake. Now you might get that attachment, right? So be careful. There's a spirit of greed. There's a spirit of um, pain. And this could be a spirit in your Pepsi body. So you might have the spirit of physical pain, spirit of emotional pain, spirit of psychological or mental pain and the spiritual pain as well. So uh, the spirit of tears and crying where you just can't stop crying and you don't know what's going on. That could be a, a, like a, a morose spirit attaching itself to you. Uh, there's also the spirit of feeling that you're unlovable, the spirit of feeling that you're unworthy. So spirit of unlovableness, the spirit of unworthiness. Um, and so there's a spirit of the fear of commitment Oh yeah, that's a big one. You don't know why you want to treat people bad. You just do. You, you, you lead them in, you rope them, you know, they, you rope them in, you lead them on and you know, six years down the line, you still don't want to fucking marry them. And that's all they've ever wanted from you is to be a part of your life in a permanent way forever. And you can't make that commitment and you end up breaking up and it hurts you. Why? If it was, was never your intention, you know, in, in, you know, to not marry, and then suddenly you have a fear of commitment. Maybe you say something to a buddy and now you've got that spirit attachment. You know, fear. Uh, so there's a spirit of gullibility. <laughs> and I had this one too. Spirit of gullibility. I believed everybody for a while. 
Luckily, I also uh, had my own uh, ideas of trust no one from Fox Mulder. Thank you very much. <laughs> so, you know, Scully and Mulder, you know. Um, but yeah, the spirit of gullibility. You, you fall for scams or you, you fall for people who say they need money. And I've given people money. I gave a friend. I was thinking about my friend Raphael today, and I love him so much. Um, I did save his family, gave them $500 for this cart um, so that they could have a sandwich cart and sell sell it because they lost their farm when a fungus took over. And he had two little kids and an, and an elderly, horrible elderly mother. She was, she had a demon attached, literally a demon attached to her and she'd scratch him and then he'd show up, you know, to go visit me and he'd have like bloody scratches on his arm from his mom. <laughs> He's like, I keep cutting her fingernails, but the demon keeps getting me. Like, holy shit, man. <laughs> you know, call the Catholic priest. Get that shit exercise. Like, damn it. That looks like terrible. But, um, but I was just thinking about him today, you know, um, you know, and then I feel sometimes a part of me feels like maybe I was gullible. Gave him $500 and then I gave him, you know, other money here and there. I gave money to travel to come visit me. We were good friends. He was in the U.S. Navy, so he spoke perfect English, even though he's Guatemalan. And we were like really, really good friends. And and I just I loved him. He was one of my soulmates, you know. Actually, good friend from God knows where. And um, but sometimes I think about that. You know, I gave him money, and I gave other people money, and I helped people out. And you know, and I was and I thought I was just being a good person. And now I'm thinking maybe I believed their fucking lies. Maybe it was the spirit of gullibility. Because I have paid for things that just didn't fucking pan out. And I feel like, mm, yeah, spirit, spirit of failure, spirit, spirit of gullibility. And sometimes these spirits can work together, those little bastards. You know, they can actually work against you as a fucking team. Like, so you, you're having gravel thrown at you from all angles. And you're like, I don't know why I can't make a fucking sale in this business. This is like, it sells itself, but it's not fucking selling itself. These encyclopedias aren't going to sell themselves. <laughs> no, usually, I mean, encyclopedias, no one can afford that shit. But, or nor, and also, they don't want to have to build a shelf for it. It's just too much. But some things are really, really like a no-brainer. Like, I was selling rainbow vac- vacuums, right? They're very expensive. And I told my friend, I want to I give you guys a presentation for a very specific reason. Is that when I give you the presentation, I'm going to give you a gift that will um, clear the air in your... Uh, area you know you know and you have little kids and i know you guys are into this shit and the only way you could get one of these little machines is if i come and give the full presentation you don't have to buy the vacuum i'll just show it to you and and you know show the thing and i'm not going to pressure you to buy it i just want you guys to have this really cool little machine because i got one for myself because i'm you know i'm the salesperson i could do that and and um they're really incredible and i really really like it and i want to recommend it to you because you know, you guys have allergies and I, I love you. You're my friends. They wouldn't, they would never let me over there and they didn't talk to me ever again after that. I'm like, I'm not trying to sell you the fucking vacuum. I'm telling you up front, it's fucking expensive. I don't want you to buy it. Buy it used if you want it. The used ones work just as well as the new ones, you know, but I want you to get this thing, you know, and I can only sell this to couples that own a property, which is weird. I, you know, so I have to, you know, in order for me to qualify for whatever I had to do that. Well, I, and then after that, I couldn't find a married couple that was happy and had money and owned their own home. <laughs> I didn't know anybody else. I was out. You know, I knew one couple and that was it. So I had to stop that, you know, but I feel like I was maybe, you know, um, had a spirit attachment, you know, <laughs> bad business, you know, whatever. But I just couldn't, you know, it's it just, I couldn't, 
I couldn't have anything, you know, like I couldn't make a sale to save my life. And I think that that was part of it. And, you know, maybe I had, you know, some of these other things attached to me where I wouldn't be believed, you know, <laughs> you know, back way back when. So uh, there's this spirit of uh, dishonesty. There is a spirit of uh, loneliness and a spirit of poverty and a spirit of family disharmony and a normal family or a, a normal um, or, or there's also fears that a spirit of family dysfunction. It, it, it didn't want me to say it. I might have that one too. I'm going to have to go through some of these others again. Make sure I would like to, you know, I, I'll probably do that in a little bit. So family disharmony and there's a general disharmony, a spirit. There's a, a spirit of loneliness, a spirit of poverty, which I already mentioned, a spirit of craving junk food, which I already mentioned, a spirit of addictions. And you, and you might want to break it down. Spirit of smoking, spirit of sugar addiction, the spirit of, uh, you know, so there's a spirit of believing the wrong things about God that make you very, you know, extreme. There's a, you know, where to the point where you can't see anything else because the spirit is whispering the shit in your ear all the time. There's a spirit of jealousy about others. Okay. There's a spirit of clumsiness and a spirit of debt. There's a spirit I put of others or self. There's a spirit of jealousy of God, jealousy of self, jealousy of others. I don't know why I said jealousy of God or maybe the spirit of je- you know, your God is a jealous God. I don't know what, what I meant by that. I don't know. So if you guys could figure it out, maybe. Oh no, believing the wrong things about God. Never mind. It just everything's so jumbled up on the page. So yeah, the spirit of jealousy, um, you know, of others and in the spirit where jealousy of self, where other people will be jealous of you all the time. And then they cast the evil eye. You know, there might be a, an a, a evil eye attractor spirit. There is a spirit of clumsiness where you drop things all the time. You know, so you feel shit about yourself and then that leads the way into, you know, all the other shit. Like I'm unlovable. I'm unworthy. I can't hold a, you know, a glass to save my life. I keep dropping shit. I keep breaking stuff. You know, there might, and that might, might be the spirit of chaos. It might be, also be this, you know, they're working as a fucking team. So the spirit of lack, which I already mentioned, the spirit of debt, the spirit of lack of coordination, which I already mentioned with the clumsiness, um, which I wrote clumsiness twice. It's hilarious. Spirit of, uh, blocking of all of your blessings spirit of thievery which i already mentioned the spirit of laziness where you can't do anything that's along with the spirit of procrastination and the spirit of wasting everyone else's time and your own spirit of wasting time spirit of procrastination the spirit of laziness might all be together maybe you're not lazy maybe you've got a spirit attachment forcing you into this so it will lower your self-esteem and self-confidence like i said they work as a fucking team the spirit of being robbed, the spirit of manipulation, the spirit of obesity, the spirit of baldness. If it doesn't run in your family and there's no reason for it, 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 you might have the spirit of, it, there might be, you know, maybe there's a fungus in your, in your scalp and you need to address that. Maybe it's your poor diet, but maybe there's a spirit of it too that will lead you towards that. <laughs> you know, um, the spirit of loss where you're going to lose everything, spirit of scammers or being scammed, spirit of uh, going to jail or going to prison. And even if you're always innocent and you keep going to prison and then, oh, well, she's got a record or he's got a record. Well, maybe, maybe it's because you got a spirit attachment that always makes you a target for the fucking cops. 
even when you're doing nothing and you're not even you and you're dressed normal you, you don't look like a freak or someone that's gonna break the law but they automatically assume and that would be attached to the spirit of not being believed fucking sucks spirit of immorality where everything you do and say and think comes out of your mouth you're fucking immoral and you don't want to be but you just can't help it because the spirits that take has taken over so i hope that this has given you this is kind of a comprehensive list a little bit but i'm sure there's a lot more that i didn't even think about so if it's something you could think about or something that's been in your life and it's been inexplicable to you you may just be suffering from a spirit attachment so this is what we do to get rid of it legally this is what you do you say i would like to enter and i'm going to do it right now i would like to enter the courts of heaven you step into a spiritual realm i i'm in that realm and and and, and it, it washes over you there's like a air of peace and justice okay so um let's see i saw one in here okay so and when i see this i don't see god as a man okay i see an energy seen on that bench sometimes a hand will come out of the energy almost like the the ace of cups card in the tarot <laughs> um you know yeah so i'd like to enter the courts of heaven and prime creator i'd like to ask do i and use muscle testing do i have the um spirit of there's one here do i have the spirit of being scammed attached to me right now yes i do i i do all right so i would like to ask at this time i'd like to ask the court is this a legal case or an illegal case against me so then you wait a couple you know like a minute or so okay so is this a legal case against me muscle testing says no is this a legal case against me muscle testing says yes because it's an illegal case you don't need your advocate yeshua you you could skip and bypass that most of these spirit attachments that i wrote down here on this page most of these are illegal usually and and if it's legal a legal case against you it's something really mild so and you're the devil can twist your words and make a legal case against you so beware be aware of that so prime creator i'd like to ask now at this time for the spirit of scammers and being scammed be removed immediately from my person i would like to further ask that a divine restraining order is placed against the spirit of scammers and being scammed for all of eternity in all directions of time across all realities across all time and space against you know i would like this divine restraining order to be against the spirit of scamming and being scammed and scammers i would like this divine restraining order to be in effect across all timelines in all directions of time past present and future across all realities and all dimensions forevermore amen and then you wait and you're going to hear words it might just be the words pop into your mind you might not actually hear them with your ears it's like your inner knowing it is decreed and it is so like i heard a little gavel go down thank you i would furthermore like to ask um prime creator that can you please send uh, the people who sent to me and attached to me the spirit of scammers and being scammed i would like to send to that person their karma immediately 30 million times 30 million today because god your timing is today it is impeccable it is now and it's always right on time i would like you to please send the karma back to those people that they get their karma today 30 million times 30 million so what it be 
and it is so. I would also further like to ask Prime Creator, may I get my recompense, all the money that I've given to scammers and all the times I've been scammed and all the time I've wasted on these fuckers when they were calling me, talking to me, trying to get me, trying to, you know, get my attention and adding themselves to my fucking Instagram account. Can we please give me a recompense in cold, hard cash? I want it all back. I want my recompense even in my time. And I charge $250 an hour for that time. I want that in recompense as soon as possible, if not today or now or even sooner. Your timing is impeccable. I trust your judgment, oh Lord. He says, yes, and it is so. That's how you do it, baby. That's how you, you go into the courts of heaven. And, and, and you can use muscle testing. You can use a pendulum, you know, to ask the questions. Um, you got to get rid of the spirit of gullibility first so you don't hear something and think you hear it. I think this has happened to me a few times. It's a slightly different voice, but if you're not attuned to the energy of it, you're going to um, believe the wrong voice. I believe that the spirit of gullibility will pull the wrong cards in your tarot deck when you're shuffling. You know, the, the spirit of chaos will be, you know, throwing the gravel with the spirit of gullibility. You know, so I have a friend who keeps getting, you know, she did a yes, no deck and she keeps getting yes for things she's asking. And it turns out she was being scammed by somebody and she thought this was somebody that wasn't, you know, that was the real deal. So it's believe this person, you know, are they going to come visit me today? And it was just like a catfishing bullshit, you know, and, and, and they weren't going to come visit her. So then every day she's like hurting herself and breaking herself against the idea that yes, they're coming. It's an absolute yes. I was just shuffling the cards and the yes came out. I asked the angels to do this. Well, it wasn't angels. It was the spirit of gullibility pulling this fucking cards out. Holy shit. This will make your readings more accurate. And you got to get a divine restraining order against that. And, and, you know, the adversary might even say, well, they're using tarot and it goes against their tarot and it goes against their religion because you used to be religious and then you have the spirit of religion attached to you. And that's how they throw the gravel at you. It's an illegal case and it can get thrown out right away. If it is a legal case, you have to ask for uh, repent. You have to find out what it is and just wait and allow, allow something from your past to come back. And if it's not from your past, might be in your family. You just shut your eyes and you just wait and the scene will come to you. God will show it to you in the courts of heaven. When you're there, it's a supernatural realm. You're going to get the correct information. Just trust, just have faith. It might be a spirit of mistrust a spirit of distrust. Remove all those spirits from you, right? Keep a diary or journal when you get these things removed and then figure out what happened afterwards. I'd love to hear about it. And I will tell your fellow listeners about it. If you wish, you know, like I had the spirit of poverty and the spirit of religion removed. And suddenly I got a new job where I'm making, you know, $2,500 a week. Like, holy shit. I didn't think it was possible. I had a job where I was making 2000. I asked God how much money he said, I I've lost $80 million in my lifetime that I would have made if I didn't have these motherfucking assholes throwing gravel at me, all these spirits. I just had them removed. I'm waiting for that recompense now. I deserve it. And so do you. I love you guys. I hope that you've loved this episode of metaphysical soul speak, the podcast. If it helped you consider making a donation and all the details are in the show description and consider, um, telling your fellow man and woman and 
anyone else who's going to be interested in hearing this. That's it. I love you guys. I will be back tomorrow with all unique and original programming, just like always. But until then. How rude. I was almost about to say. (laughs) I'm signing off with peace and joy and the high vibes of the holy fifth dimension. (laughs) I love you guys. I'll be back tomorrow. I've been making episodes of Metaphysical Soul Speak, the podcast, for a while now, and many of you have contacted me wondering just how you can support me and my podcast. Well, I have two solutions for this question. Number one is to become a listener supporter in which you go to the Anchor app, locate my channel, and sign up anywhere from 99 cents to $9.99 monthly, and you can stop anytime. Or number two is to make a one-time donation of any amount via Zelle, bank to bank, or through PayPal using my email, mermaidgirl888 at gmail.com, also located in the show description. Now with this option, you aren't uh, obligated monthly in any way, and you're also not limited. Thank you all so much in advance for your support. Let's keep metaphysical soul speak on the air and onward and upward to the fifth dimension together, guys. Thank you.